Episode 27, Working in Wellness with Lauren Arms. Welcome to the Alternatively Healthy Podcast. I am your host, Becky Rabin, personal trainer, wellness coach, and founder of online wellness magazine, Alternatively Healthy. This is your high-vibe, soul-soothing weekly dose of wellness. Each week, I will be getting up close and personal, bringing you conversation and insight with some of the wellness industry's most renowned health practitioners, coaches, experts, and thought leaders from around the world. Through our podcast, we hope to give you all the information, resources, and tools that you need to help shape the healthiest and happiest version of you. Lauren is a business coach, speaker, writer, and entrepreneur. She founded Well2Do, a global industry network for the wellness industry in 2014. Well2Do is now respected as a definitive voice for the business of wellness, spotlighting innovation and trends, case studies, and insights. As a company, Well2Do helps people build incredible businesses and careers in the wellness industry through its events, recruitment, and coaching services, and much more. As well as coaching some of the industry's most respected entrepreneurs and influencers, Lauren has also been featured in Forbes, The Times, Evening Standard, BBC, Glamour, Red and Cosmopolitan magazine on entrepreneurship and success mindset. In this episode, we tackle working in wellness. We uncover exactly what it is that might be blocking you to lead a life you love and how to overcome and change your money story to lead an abundant life with freedom, as well as talking all things practical to actually look at how you turn a vision into reality and kickstart a career in the wellness industry. Whether you're a small business owner, someone looking to transition careers or a budding entrepreneur with a vision, this episode is for you. Hello, Lauren. Hi, Becky. Hello. So thrilled to have you here today. Oh, the feeling is mutual. (laughs) So for everybody listening out there, Lauren is a very good friend of mine and she's actually also my own business mentor and she's been a huge, 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 huge help to me and the growth of my business and just switching my perception and mindset on things. And just like so many others in the industry, I am completely in awe of this lady and the work she does. She is hands down one of the most credible and reliable and knowledgeable people in the industry. So just on a personal level, I'm truly, truly grateful to have you here today and to share your knowledge with everyone as to what's happening in the wellness industry, how to step foot in the industry if someone's wanting to kickstart a career, how to build a business and just little things as well as to like how to overcome essentially things that have blocked people along the way because I know that's something you've really really helped me with so I guess let's get started I kind of want to hear a bit about your story how you found it well to do I always ask my guests this and I love it it's just purely more of an interest for me I guess where did it all kind of begin for you in terms of wellness and how you ended up where you are today well I'll try and keep the short version (laughs) I won't go back 20 years I grew up in Australia and you'll immediately be able to hear from my accent. I'm an Aussie living in London. I moved to the UK five years ago, five and a half years ago now, actually. And I obviously grew up in a country where wellness is an inherent part of our lifestyle. It's not necessarily something we actively talk about. It's not a defined industry in Australia. 
And when I moved to the UK, I sort of landed in a country where I didn't have any family or friends. I didn't have a a job lined up. And I sort of started to feel into finding my tribe, finding my people, trying to connect with others that I felt were like-minded. And I found myself in a job that wasn't really very fulfilling. My background is business development and marketing. So I was working for a corporate, working in the city. And at first that felt quite glamorous. I suppose when you grow up working or aspiring to be in business, the excitement of working in a global company, you know, the idea of being busy, having business meetings, having a Blackberry, all of those things, like (laughs) that feels like what success is defined by. And that sort of started to change for me. So yeah, I kind of realized that I was... Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Moving in a direction in my career that ultimately wasn't giving me that deep sense of satisfaction and fulfillment. And so at the same time, I was kind of looking for friends that were like-minded and realizing that this whole wellness lifestyle trend was really starting to emerge in London. So, you know, the first cold-pressed juice bar had opened on Marlebone High Street and Cycle had opened on Mortimer Street. And you could really see that some of these trends were starting to come to life. And so... I started connecting with people on a friendship level in that community and also just realizing that actually I'd really love to pursue that as a professional part of my life as well. And so I started writing about wellness. I started exploring and interviewing and emailing and connecting with people in that space and finding out really like how the industry was evolving. And I launched a really crappy WordPress website. So I registered, it was well-to-do London then, welltodolondon.wordpress.com. I remember sitting at my desk that just came to you from nowhere. I guess you go through that kind of brainstorming. What am I going to call my business? And I felt like, you know, a play on wellness. I sort of imagined it being like a wellness to-do list. Yeah. And that domain was also available. So that's part (laughs) of it. And so I registered the domain and I remember sitting at my desk in my full-time job, opening up Microsoft Paint and designing a logo that was pretty naff and, you know, was not perfect, but I launched it. And I remember being so nervous that day that I launched the blog. It's such an anti-climax when you (laughs) launch something like that, (laughs) you know, like traffic is zero. (laughs) And you've really like built up in your mind this massive launch. And actually it's quite underwhelming when you really put it out there. And I committed to writing two or three articles a week. Initially, it was sort of like a consumer lifestyle blog. So it was how to live that wellness lifestyle, what's cool, what's trending, what's opening in London, where can you go and get your green juice fix or engage in kind of boutique fitness. And 
that's really where it started. And it wasn't for another year that it kind of evolved more into what it is today, which is a really focused industry platform, looking more at the business of wellness. That's how things got started. (laughs) It's so true, the anti-climax thing, isn't it? It's like, you like, yeah, I've got it out there to the world. And then you're like, oh, wow. Yeah, nobody knows about it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, now I've got to actually push it. And I think that will probably resonate with so many people listening. And this is why I wanted to do this episode so much because it's definitely one of the most asked questions I get from people in the industry. It feels like there are so many people out there who aren't doing what they love and this whole envision of success that we all think is success. I was exactly the same as a child. My mum was like, what do you want to do when you're older? I was like, don't care as long as I'm getting the tube to work with a pair of heels on in a big court. My sister was like, you're such a loser. And she was working with him at the time. But to me, that was what success looked like. And I guess my first question to you is, you talked about the satisfaction and fulfillment element. For someone listening out there who's maybe perhaps still in the corporate job and wants to move somewhere else, how important would you say it is to chase that? satisfaction and fulfillment element or look at where they are now and perhaps assess how satisfied they are. Yeah. I mean, it's hard because when you have reached a certain pinnacle of your career and I was certainly on a trajectory that was defined by many as appearing to be success, it can be very scary to suddenly reevaluate and stop and reassess what success actually means. Because what it often feels like is starting from scratch. So quitting my corporate job and taking a massive leap of faith to start my own business was, it appears easy when you fast forward five years. But at the time, you know, I was paralyzed by fear in many ways. I didn't know what my business would become. I didn't have a clear business plan. But in terms of my redefinition of success, I realized that freedom and financial abundance and just waking up on a Monday morning and feeling excited about doing the work that I was doing were factors that were deep down really important to me, but that I hadn't really let myself be honest about up until that point. And it's scary because when you have that honest conversation with yourself and you realize that you're not ticking those boxes and that something is going to have to change, that is a really scary moment. It's a really pivotal moment. And a lot of us kind of fight against that honest conversation because it's uncomfortable and we don't want to go there. And instead we convince ourselves day after day or week after week that there are good aspects to working in a comfortable corporate job, you know, the security of a monthly paycheck, Mm -hmm. the security of knowing what your next progression is. And saying goodbye to that is a massive step for anyone. It's never going to be easy. But I think it's that old adage that the fear of staying where you are needs to become greater than the fear of taking that next step into the unknown of leaving that corporate role and taking a chance on yourself to build something that will give you that satisfaction and ultimately that financial freedom and time freedom as well. Which is, I think so huge for so many people and I can probably hear people screaming at this going well then how do I physically overcome that fear because you know you and I have both been there for me it was a little bit more of a six-month process of being like oh god I can't focus like I need to move I need to move I'm too scared I'm too scared and then I literally did wake up one day and I was ready what was it for you that really was that trigger point or how can someone start overcoming those fears is it just the mindset shift of allowing that fear to be greater for the comfort 
we put so much pressure on ourselves to overcome the fear. And mm. yet we all know that quote of feel the fear and do it anyway. Yeah. And the secret of that quote, the essence of that quote is that the fear is never going to disappear. You're not going to wake up one morning and suddenly feel fearless. And it makes sense for you to walk into your HR manager's office and resign. You know, mm. that day for me was petrifying. I remember yeah. it. I remember my hands were trembling at my yeah. desk. You know, the tears came and I realized I was going to have to make this massive decision. So if we start putting pressure on ourselves to overcome fear and actually instead step into fear, then we realize that we start to normalize this process, that it's going to feel uncomfortable and that we can actually find some comfort in that discomfort. That means stepping outside of what's familiar and doing something that will eventually become normal. Yeah. And I suppose too, it's starting with step one instead of getting caught up in what step 25 looks like. There's this fantastic book that I love called How to Be Here by Rob Bell. And he talks about how important it is when you're doing something out of your comfort zone to just stay mindful of what step one is. So step one for me was creating a crappy logo in Microsoft Paint and setting up the website. And I did that while I was still working. And I spent three or four months just writing content and doing that outside of my nine to five job Mm -hmm. and setting myself up for step two, which was taking that leap and creating the time factor, i.e. creating space in my life to actually focus my energy and effort on building the business, which I knew that I was never going to do if I stayed in my comfortable nine to five. So it's embracing the fear and seeing that as part of the process rather than something that you know, we need to wait till it goes away in order to start. And it's also being a little bit more methodical with taking it step by step rather than getting caught up in what the big picture looks like and needing to know that perfectly right now. I love that. And that's definitely something you've helped me with is taking things step by step because I'm such a, now I want to be where I am in 25 steps time. And that actually perfectly leads me onto my next question is, you spoke about how you didn't really know what it would become and it was a wellness to-do list essentially. And even from when I started watching it and following it from the get-go, it was more of like a content hub, what was going on in the industry. And since then it's grown into this huge trend-led insight business hub for brands, community events. So it sounds like there's been a lot of U-turns almost or changes in your business Would you say that's all part of the growth is that essentially your business model now is effectively extremely different to what it started from? Was that difficult? Was it just a natural flow? Did it involve you kind of having to look at the process again? Some people are really lucky in that they start a business knowing that they want to launch a healthy snack business. They know exactly what their USP is. They know exactly what that trajectory looks like. And there's a blueprint for starting a product-based business. If you just have that urge, like I did, like deep down, I knew that I wasn't meant to sit in an office in a cubicle from nine to five for the rest of my life. I didn't look at my company director and want to be him in 25 years. Mm. When you have that urge, you have to give yourself permission to evolve into a business idea or a concept by just starting out with something. And I hear a lot of people say, well, I'm waiting for my big idea or I'm waiting to get clarity or I'm waiting for this idea to be perfect. And the truth is it's about starting. Mm-hmm. So I started out with one idea and I gave myself permission to pivot 
right? And pivoting is a really important part of building a business because it's about being responsive. It's about being flexible. It's about listening to your audience. And that's exactly what I did from day one. I listened to what our audience wanted and I responded. So when they said, it'd be great if we could have an event where we listen to successful entrepreneurs share their Mm. story that's what I did. I launched that first event four years ago. Mm. And when people said, we want to have a full day of this, we created the summit. And then when businesses who attended that event said to me, what are the next trends that you see coming up in the industry? We started to produce our reports. It's about listening and responding and not necessarily putting that pressure on yourself that you have to know exactly what the business looks like now. Because the truth is that your audience will tell you what they want if you really listen and if you just give yourself permission to start and to start with a really simple idea and let that evolve. Mm. I think that's a really incredible take home for a lot of people listening here because if I take myself back to remembering about starting my business, I already had all these dreams and goals of what I wanted it to be and that was actually blocking me from just being in the now and owning what space I was in at that present time because I was so focused on what I wanted the next step to be that I wasn't Mm. listening to anyone in my audience or what they wanted. And it's only really recently something that I've actually started owning. So I'm sure that will resonate with so many people. And I guess for anyone listening, obviously well-to-do has become a powerhouse in the industry. And I know that that's a lot of people's dreams and goals is to kind of be the big thing in their industry, in their own space. And you've really owned that. There isn't really anything else like it in the market. Would you say that that has made it more successful in its own right by the fact that you are pretty much the only one doing what you're doing? I'm hesitant to say that that's the key to success because one of the biggest fears that I hear from a lot of people in the wellness industry is, oh, someone else is already doing what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I would hate for that to be the excuse that somebody used for not getting started. So the truth is that this is what I want to be doing. And it wouldn't matter to me if someone else launched the same sort of thing in the same marketplace. I would still have a belief that there is plenty of business for all of us. Mm -hmm. And so that for me is the difference between having a scarcity mindset and abundance mindset. One mindset says there's not enough space for all of us in this industry. And the other says there's plenty of opportunity. Mm -hmm. There's billions of people in the world, literally millions of people in London who still don't know about the wellness industry or still don't have access to wellness and that there's a place for all of us. So Mm I would hate for somebody listening to this who's thinking, I'd love to be a personal trainer, but everyone's a personal trainer to feel that there wasn't space for them in this marketplace. And the truth is when you're really focused on something, an idea, a new career opportunity, a new business concept, then everywhere you look, you'll see somebody else doing something like that. It's like that evidence gathering that tends to happen when one of my friends uses the example, if you decided you were going to buy a red Vauxhall Corsa, suddenly yeah. you're going to see everyone driving that yeah. car everywhere. So true. And your Instagram is primed for this as well. Because if you're swiping through your Instagram feed, it feels like everyone's doing wellness mm-hmm. and it feels like the market's saturated. And I say to people all the time, you know, this market is ripe for opportunity and there's no need to feel fearful that somebody else is already doing what you're doing. I'm always mindful that everything that we do is unique because we're a unique team. We're a unique set of people with unique ideas. And that as long as you come to the table with your authentic self and your authentic ideas and you create space in your life to be creative and to share your message, then whatever you want to do, there'll be a unique opportunity for you to do that differently in the market. And that's 
probably one of the biggest things that I get asked is, oh, I really want to do it, but there's so many people in the industry. I don't know what my thing is. I need to find my thing first. Literally, a friend messaged me about it yesterday. She was like, I want to go into mum blogging, but like, I don't know what my USP is. So would your advice be to people, don't necessarily worry about how different you are and actually just know that you already are different. What would your advice be to someone who's in that headspace? How can they get out of that headspace and tune into what their own authenticity is, essentially? There are some really practical strategies for Mm. tapping into your own creativity. One habit that I've started to re-implement in my life recently is this concept of morning pages. So there's an incredible book called The Artist's Way, Mm -hmm. and it's all about tapping into your own creativity. And I'll tell you where you won't tap into your creativity, and that is scrolling through Instagram. Because basically what you're doing is just absorbing everybody else's ideas and concepts and language, even subconsciously, you'll start to regurgitate that where you find your own creativity is walking through a park or taking out your journal in the morning and practicing this habit of morning pages, which is just free writing for 20 minutes or free writing three pages of text and not having any preconceived objective of that exercise. And it's going to an art gallery on a Saturday morning, or it's going and sitting in a coffee shop and just letting your mind wander. And we don't do that anymore because we're so engaged in content. Mm -hmm. And when we're so engaged in other people's content, it's really hard to kind of be original in your own thinking. And so taking time to practice some of those really practical exercises in just getting back to your creative roots is where you will uncover your unique perceptions, your unique views, and you'll get to that authentic sense of who you really are, what you really feel passionate about. And the other thing is asking yourself questions like, what really fires you up? What really pisses you off? What really makes you angry? What's a problem that you feel like there should be a solution to that you don't feel satisfied by now? And that's what the best businesses are born out of is a pain point that you've identified that without doubt, someone else will be experiencing as well. So if you're struggling to find your big idea, I would encourage you to stop scrolling through (laughs) social media, looking at what everyone else is doing, because that's not where you'll find it. You'll find it in 20 minutes of journaling every day for a month. And I promise you that is what will lead you to more creative thought and more uniqueness and just getting back to the essence of who you are. So true. So many people get caught up because they think that looking at Instagram is going to be their inspiration and all it does is demotivate them. And I've absolutely been there myself. So if someone is in that position and they are wanting to step into the wellness industry, perhaps haven't figured out what lights them up yet, or they might have, but they still don't really know where to go. Obviously, well to do is a hub that you work very closely with brands in terms of insights and the trends. And we'll go on to that. But for someone who's wanting to build a career in wellness, how can well to do help them? Because I know that you have your career section and you also have a program as well that is dedicated to getting people to kickstart their career in wellness. How would someone be helped by what you guys do? You've kind of hit the nail on the head. Mm. There are two groups of people in our view in the wellness industry. One group that want to start a business and Mm -hmm. one group that want to carve out a career. And that might mean working for a really cool wellness brand. Mm -hmm. And that might be working for a fitness brand. It might be working for an athleisure brand. It might be working in food and drink or nutrition. If you're someone who wants to start a business, we run events all throughout the year, which are really designed to inspire you to think creatively, to think about the trends that are emerging in the industry 
industry. They're designed to give you access to success stories. So we bring panels of um, successful entrepreneurs together to share their journey from starting through to growing and scaling a business. So that's the business side. And just subscribing to our content is going to give you an insight into what's happening and really where the market is headed as far as evolving an idea and coming up with something. Then on the flip side, if you're someone who wants to work for a cool wellness brand, we, as you said, have a careers hub. So we advertise jobs in the wellness industry for amazing brands like Lululemon or Peloton or Equinox or whoever else is looking to hire in this space. And it's not just traditional roles that we think of as wellness, like PTing or yoga teaching or nutritionist. These brands are all looking for operations managers. They're looking for marketing support. They're looking for admin support. They're looking for skills that you already have that you could apply to an industry that you obviously, if you're listening to this, feel really passionate about. So, you know, we run events that cater to that group as well. And I guess I also work really closely with entrepreneurs who have already launched an idea, already launched a business in a way that obviously you mentioned I'm supporting you in that kind of business coaching capacity as well. So there's lots that we offer. It's more come to us with your problem and we'll help and, um, and we will find a way to support you. But I think there is a bit of an immense pressure for people because not everyone is set out to own their own business. You and I both know there's a lot that comes with owning your own business that you may mm. perhaps don't get the security of working for a company. And I think some people think, oh, I'm not cut out to being an entrepreneur. So then wellness isn't for me, but there is a whole world out there of amazing jobs that are in wellness. So people can have that security or perhaps do what they love, but without having to do what they're not passionate about. So how can someone figure out whether they are potentially more suited to being a business owner and like finding their own business themselves or someone who is probably more suited to going into a career in wellness? Because there'll be people listening to this going, well, I just, I don't know if I've got it. And it's like separating whether that's a fear-based thing or whether actually they're practically better in a career. There's a lot of fear around starting a business, right? And one of the things that I hear people say all the time is, oh, but I'm not business minded. So let's clear that up now by saying that Becky, you and I were not born entrepreneurs. We weren't born business minded. We both have learned the art of running a business. And so if the fear of you getting started is that voice in your head that says, well, I could never run a business or I don't have any experience as an entrepreneur, then welcome to the club because the truth is we're all just making it up as we go along. In terms of being able to tell the difference, you won't know until you try, but we often encourage people to take a job in the wellness industry as a really nice transition. And I would also say if you could work for a brand that inspires you and is doing something that you would love to do, then it's a great training ground for you to understand what it looks like behind the scenes of running a successful business in this space. If you're really serious about it, then... One of my other friends, Phoebe, says that she had a mentor once that said to her, it's not what you do in your nine to five, it's what you do from five to nine. And that's thinking about what you can do outside of your current job to make that transition, to better understand what the opportunities are in this space and to just start engaging with people who are actively involved in this industry, whether they work in it or whether they run business in it. And then going right back to the start of our conversation if it's the fear that's getting in the way of you making that leap, then feel into that fear and rest assured, I suppose, that it's really normal to feel that. But my kind of quote or mantra at the moment is leap and the net will appear. And that's the truth of feeling that fear and then trusting that things will work out and that 
if your worst case scenario is that you have to go back to a corporate career and that you have those skills and access to those skills, then really the worst case scenario for most of us is never as bad as we really think it is. It's so amazing when I do these podcasts because whatever topic I'm talking about, essentially the underlying thing is always take the pressure off tune into yourself, what feels right. Like it doesn't matter whether we're talking about business, moving your body, filling yourself up with food and nourishment. It sounds to me like you're saying a lot of this is about like taking off pressure from the end goal and doing what feels right now. Because for me, that was what was holding me back for so long was what if money wasn't going to come? So I'm earning a good salary and we'll talk about money because I know that's something you are great with and champion a lot of work on that. But for me, it was, oh my God, if I leave this job and then I set out to do a new career, and I don't earn what I'm earning now, then what's going to happen would be homeless. And then when I actually sat back and thought about it, I was like, hang on a minute. The worst comes to the worst is that I'll just go back to a corporate job. I'm still going to get a job. I'm a young girl that's worked her way up. And actually my mum will never let me go homeless. I can always go back to my mum's. And when you think about it and you rationalise it and you get out of your head a bit, you actually realise that really what you're scared of is the failure part of what everyone else oh, for sure. thinks. And would you say that that is kind of one of the biggest things is that people, when they boil down to it, it's really not for any other reason than appearing as a failure? We're all afraid of failing. Let's be honest. We're all afraid of judgment, failure, rejection. All of those things are a natural part of human behavior. And we all have an ego that we battle with every day that says, well, I don't want to be the person who can't afford to go to dinner with friends, or I don't want to be the person who... If you look at my story, I had a beautiful house in Chelsea, living with a flatmate off the King's Road, living a a really lush lifestyle, working in my corporate job. And I gave all of that up to chase my dream. And that meant having to move in with my boyfriend's parents in Mm. Surrey. And Mm. I remember being so ashamed of that. Mm. Instead of telling people that I was living with Jamie's parents, I told people that I was moving to the country because that sounded so much more glamorous. And the (laughs) truth is, that that was the sacrifice that I had to make and that I was willing to make. And it was a short-term pain for really a long-term gain. And so that fear of failure is real. The Mm. fear of failure is that we put our ideas out into the world, we make ourselves vulnerable and people don't buy what we sell or they don't like what we do. And it's never as bad as we anticipate it being. And the truth is we're learning and growing and evolving all the time. So we've tried to sell things that people didn't want to buy and we've learned from that. And that's been a mistake that has evolved into a better product or a better service. And that's part of the evolution of business. But if you're letting that get in the way of you starting, then there's more work for you to do on yourself and your story and the blueprint and the patterns that, you know, uh, I guess making that Stopping up. You. So you'd say it's a lot more to do with your own personal work that needs to be done there. Cause I always say to people, when I talk about my story of failure to me, it's been one of the biggest blocks for me is fear of being seen to be a failure. So what other people think of me putting something out and they're not selling, but even for me, like Alternatively Healthy launched five years ago. And I remember like going out to meet people and talking about it. And everyone was like, yeah, cool. Sounds good. And then it just wasn't the right time. And I didn't Mm -hmm. focus on it for two years. And I roped up being a personal trainer. But then I started to understand what the industry was. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Missing what it was lacking. When I first started, it wasn't written by experts. And then by the end of it, I was like, hang on, there's nothing that is brought to people by the experts. So people could say I failed because five years later, I was having the conversations with people. But actually, I see it as a pure blessing that it was all timing and it led me on to kind of evolving the product, understanding what it is and what the market needed. Would you say that that's kind of a good way to get people to come out of themselves with failure and I guess see that it doesn't really exist unless you let it exist? It's all about perception, isn't it? It's always about perception. It's about how you look at that experience and whether you let it shape you or whether you let it stop you. Mm -hmm. And we can all look at mistakes that we've made and failures that we've made, or, you know, for me, staff that haven't worked out or products that I said before haven't sold or events that didn't sell out and see that as an opportunity to go, we're not saving people's lives here. We're building a business. We can have fun with this. We can learn from this. And Seth Godin, who's a, an incredible marketing guru that I would encourage people to listen to and read and to follow, says, you know, treat building a business like a game of Monopoly. You know, we're just here having a good time. We don't need to take ourselves too seriously. We don't need to get caught up in all of the emotion around it. I know that women are emotional in business and it's a strength at times, but also sometimes we just let our minds go into overdrive and overthink things when actually just show up and have fun. And if it doesn't work out, laugh about it. Lily from the Detox Kitchen is brilliant. She says, I actively look for ways to fail in my business now because I know that if I actively look for them, then I know that I'm moving things forward. I'm taking risks. And really that's what an entrepreneur needs to be as a risk taker. Calculated risks, yes. But if you're not doing things that could fail then you're not pushing yourself and you're not living your life to your full potential. I love that. Guys, if you're listening to that, let that be the main, like even if that's one thing you take away, it's so, so true because I think that is ultimately, you know, you only have to look at the wellness industry and everyone's Instagram accounts to see that everybody's names is like unrecognizable as themselves. That sums it up in a nutshell is that nobody will ever just own fitness at the beginning or their wellness conversation as just their name. Most people have to come up with this whole like, name to hide behind. And I did for ages. I hid behind photos of food. I hid behind photos of my abs. I hid behind names so that nobody knew it was me all Mm. in that fear of failure. And now I'm like seeking out any kind of obstacles because I know that they always lead me on to like better things. So guys, yeah, 
please let that be like a huge thing that you take away. And we're going to briefly talk because this is probably a podcast in itself about money because you have kind of mentioned mm-hmm. it. And I know it is something that you are brilliant at and you have massively helped me take my business into something that I was working a hundred million hours a week, didn't even exist and not earning enough or thinking I was happy with what I was earning to then actually doing way less, but more productively with money. And I know a lot of people listening to this. I know a lot of my friends who are in the industry, they're kind of like scrambling at all the wrong things without much product behind them to actually make revenue. How can someone shift their headspace? I know this is such a loaded question, but how can they shift their headspace with money? And I know it goes back to like old habits, but for someone who wants to earn money, how can we start by not being afraid of owning that essentially? You've hit the nail on the head again in saying that it goes back to old stories. Mm. Lots of people don't know that, right? So firstly, we rarely talk about money. And when we do, it's awkward. It's, oh, should we split the bill or will you get it or I get it? You know, we're so used to having these really uncomfortable tension-led conversations about money. And I'm really passionate about opening up that conversation because we don't get out of bed on a Monday morning and sit at a computer for 8, 10, 12 hours a day sometimes for the pure joy of it. I'd love to say that I'm that driven and motivated and excited about building my business that I would do it for free. And lots of people say that, but the truth is I would rather be lying on a beach in the Bahamas right now. (laughs) Like, you know, like I don't want to work 50, 80 hour weeks. I want to enjoy my life Mm. and money creates freedom. Right. But we've attached this sort of negative, guilt-driven, dirty word association with wealth, with being rich, with being abundant, with having cash, like all of those words for most people listening are going to bring something up. Mm -hmm. And I realized that I was building a business that wasn't making me enough money. I had all these ideas and I wasn't able to support the growth of the business. And I started working with a business coach who said to me, you need to look at your money story. And I was like, what's a money story? And I started to do the work around money in the same way that you need to do the work around your body or fitness or food or your relationship with your partner or any other aspect of your life. Money is something that we have a relationship with every day of our lives. Every single day, money comes into the equation. It's the number one stressor of most relationships and of most individuals. And yet we don't talk about it and we don't pay attention to it in the same way that we do other relationships. So money has a blueprint around it. And that really comes from the way our parents talked about money. And when you start to look at that, when you start to think about what the language was that your parents used when they talked about money, when they talked about earning, when they talked about going to work, we start to uncover these habits that have defined our behavior and it holds us back. As women, it stops us from charging enough. It stops Mm -hmm. us from feeling like we deserve to be wealthy. It stops us feeling like we have access to wealth. So we start to hear language on repeat in our minds like making money is hard or I'm not good with money or I'm not good with numbers or I don't deserve to charge that much or Mm -hmm. that's too expensive. And if those are the things that are on repeat in your mind, then I promise you that no matter what your strategy is, no matter how great your marketing is, no matter how many Instagram followers you have, you won't build a successful business because if you're not making money, then your business is not sustainable and you're just going to burn yourself out. So yeah, Becky, like let's open up this dialogue about like making money. If women really are going to rule the world and be the future and all of those, you know, feminist attitudes that we're starting to really feel into, 
and by the way, like I'm not a feminist, like (laughs) equality all the way, but you know, like if we really are going to claw back that sense of equality and earning potential, then it starts with a belief that you deserve to be wealthy and that you deserve to charge for what you do and that what you do is really valuable in the world, even in the wellness industry Mm -hmm. where we're primed to think that, oh, but I'm doing something good for people, right? So I shouldn't be able to charge for that. And I work with women every day to change that mentality so that we can enjoy our lives and that if we want to, we can be in the Bahamas tomorrow having a sunny holiday and enjoying our lives or being more generous with our family or being able to support our friends or being able to go for a meal and say, hey, I've got this because you have access to that yeah. financial abundance. Yeah. And as you can see, I could talk about this yeah. all day. <laughs> think, um, guys, if you're listening and you would really like to hear from us doing a Money Talks episode, I think that might be yes. something that we need to book in because it's probably about an hour and a half itself. But even from experience, I know that you've told me a lot about how your money stories changed and you've worked with me a lot about how my money stories changed. And it really was so eye-opening when we started talking about my past like my mum essentially and how she is about money you know I watched her as I was growing up it wasn't necessarily how she told me but it was just watching her alone work seven till seven at school and then go and tutor kids after school all to make a salary that I think I started earning the moment I left university I associated the fact that in order to earn money you have to work super super hard and that doesn't take away the fact that working hard is obviously extremely important but it was learning to not be very clever with money and I watched my mum kind of have anger towards all these people who had jobs that allowed them to earn way more money and it massively has hindered my money story and it it actually made me go right I'm going to do the opposite and I'm going to go out and I'm going to earn loads of money but those Mm. traits that I learned from her were still stuck within me I was earning my loads of money from working loads of hours and that loads of money still wasn't really the kind of money that I wanted to earn. And I guess even more so recently, since we've been doing the work, I've been a lot more open talking about money with other women and not in a way that's like, you know what, I'm earning loads, guys. Just in a like, let's have this conversation. And it is so interesting how many kind of go, oh, oh, yeah, oh, right. And the thing is, (laughs) you know, you're not telling other women that you're earning loads of money for any sort of sense of self-pleasure. It's about showing women what is possible. And I love being really open with my clients about how my business is going because I want you to see that I'm the same as you. I don't have some special ability to go and build a business that you don't have. I'm a small town girl. I grew up in a town with a population of 20,000 in the middle of Australia. My parents were teachers. I haven't come from a wealthy background with privilege or any sense of I already know how to build a business or I've whatever else. Like we're average everyday people. Mm-hmm. And that's the truth is that we're showing people who are listening to this that it is possible for you as well. Yeah. And having a conversation about money is about showing other women that they can also achieve that level of financial independence and that it doesn't have to be working for a corporate, that it can be doing something that you love, that you feel passionate about. And yeah, that gets you up on a Monday feeling like you really are having an impact on the world. Yeah. I don't know about anyone else listening, but I feel supercharged right now and like empowered by even just talking about money and and you kind of like light up as well. The more you speak about it, it's really interesting. I know. I didn't take a breath in that. Yeah. But I think that's just shows like the moment as well. Someone has passion about something the way that they execute it and say it and that is something that people can learn I guess from their business the moment they're like empowered by something if you could say one thing to someone who was working around their 
money issues, just as a starting point, what would be like a one exercise you would get them to like perhaps go away and do if it was a coaching client of yours? So perhaps what you've done with me, what would be mm-hmm. one thing that they can start with for anyone listening here? I'm going to give you two really practical okay, exercises. Good. One is start checking your bank balance every single day. So I learned this as a habit from my business coach because for most people listening, if I were to say like, how often do you check in with your money? It would probably be pretty rarely. And the reason that most people avoid checking their bank balance is that they're afraid of what they're going to see, right? So checking in with your bank balance as a daily exercise is not about like being disappointed with what you see. It's about building gratitude about what you have and starting to build a mantra of, I always have enough money for everything I desire and having a positive relationship with money. So just starting to spend time with your money, starting to get familiar with what you spend, starting to get familiar with what you earn. If you're in a business to start seeing what's coming in and out of your business, because I ignored it and I ignored it because I didn't want to face it. I still don't ever look at my bank balance. Right. So just getting into a daily (laughs) habit with that is really powerful. It's more powerful than you realize. Mm. The second exercise that'd be really valuable for someone who's never done any of this work before. It's an exercise that comes from a book called You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero, which I would highly recommend as a read. It will introduce you to some of these concepts. But one of the exercises that she gives you is to write a letter to money. It might go something like this. Dear money... I'm frustrated by you constantly. I never know when you're coming into my life. You know, this is going to feel weird when you're writing this out. But if you were to think of money as a person Mm -hmm. and you wrote a letter to money, like all of this stuff would come up, right? You'd be like, I'm angry about you because as soon as I get you, you seem to disappear or it never feels like there's enough of you. Mm. Or when I have you, I feel anxious that I'm going to lose you. And this is really what's capturing some of the emotion about Mm. how you feel about money or I feel like it's hard to get you. I feel like you're hard to pin down. And we start to like paint this picture of how we really feel about money. And then once you have that picture, you can start to look at where do those stories come from? You know, like, is that your voice or is it somebody else's? Is it your parents' voice? Is it your brother's voice? Is it someone that you grew up with that taught you that that's how you should think about money? And we consciously choose our thoughts, right? We consciously choose what we perceive our story to be around that money or whatever it is. And you're suddenly in a better position to firstly see what your attitude is and then start to do the work around changing that. So some of the affirmations that I started to work on when I started working on money was, I said it before, I always have enough money for everything that I desire. And there's plenty more where that came from because it's just a chosen belief, right? And if I believe that there's plenty more where that came from, then every time I paid a bill in my business, I thought, it's all good. There's plenty more where that came from. And every time some money came into the business, I was like, awesome. There's plenty more where that came from. And it's just generating this abundant attitude that leads you to take even more action to support that. So we start with the belief and then the action comes that supports it. And then suddenly the outcome arrives and we're like, oh, wow, that worked. Now the evidence is there. And that's just going to propel you forward with a new attitude around how you think about money. So I think those two exercises, if you've never done work on money, would be a really nice starting point. Amazing. Well, guys, if you're listening, we want to hear what kind of money it makes you. Please do let us know. I always love hearing when people say that they've done some of the exercises in the podcast and learned so much. And I'm sure you'll have a wealth of DMs coming in being like, I want to get rich. (laughs) 
and that leads me on really nicely to the question on obviously you're a business coach yourself because you're mine and you've been fabulous. What are some of the common things that you work with your clients on? Is it broad? Obviously with me, it's been actually quite broad really, but it's been a lot about changing my business to make money and like do what I love. I think that's what I've learned so far the most from working with you is cutting out the things that I don't need to be doing, finding a little bit more of a message and actually completely U-turning who I am in the industry and, and valuing myself. So as a testimonial, someone here who is currently still a client of Lauren's, you know, you've really helped me kind of learn to value myself, value my place in the market, charge way more than what I was charging before and own it and know that I'm worth it, as well as completely like realign who I am now as an entrepreneur and a coach myself, rather than playing small. I think I was playing small and playing myself down. So I've kind of answered my own question. Yeah, you have. Thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) What would you say are like the common things that you get with people coming to you as to what they want help with? On a basic level, accountability. So most of us are building a business on our own to begin with. If you have the luxury of having a team, then wonderful. But let's be honest, most of us are on our own, you know, working away, beavering away at a desk in our bedroom or whatever it might look like for you right now. And so having someone to be accountable to and to say, hey, you said you were going to do this thing and you didn't. What's the reason for that? What's getting in the way? Is it a belief system or is it that you actually don't know what the next step is to take? So I work with clients on a combination of mindset and strategy. So you don't always know the answers. So I can coach you, but I can also say to you, you know, this could be a next step that you could take that will support you to grow your business. And it often takes someone to take that bird's eye view of your business and say, Hey, Becky, like you're not charging enough, or you're worth more than that, or you're doing 500 things and you should be doing three things really well. When we start a business, we'll typically think, all right, I have to reach the most number of people. So I'm going to take a shotgun approach and I'm going to do all these 15 things and really get myself out there. When actually it's quite scary. But what I say to clients is find your niche, find what you do really well and speak to that audience. And the truth is if you're trying to speak to everybody, then nobody will listen. If you're for everybody, then actually you're for nobody. And it's about taking a stand for a really core message and then building an infrastructure around that. So my role is to coach you through that process to support you and to really help you define firstly, what it is that you want. And then secondly, get a system in place, a roadmap in place to help you to get there. And my ambition really is to see women succeed. You know, I want to see women doing the thing that they love, making money, creating freedom for themselves and ultimately having fun doing it as well. Cause that's what it's all about. It is. I think there needs to be more of that in the industry is owning, having fun with it. I'm like so grateful these days for like what I get to do and call my job. Yes, there's things that annoy me. And actually, yes, I've managed to delegate some of those things to other people, which is fabulous now. But I do, I'm trying every day to see this as fun. It is fun. Life's here to For sure. Totally. We need to chill out. Yeah, you're so right. We do. And that's the thing. You speak to people every day, especially in wellness. This is like, I'm sure it's in any industry, but they just, I was there, which is so stressed and so worried and putting immense pressure on myself and forgetting to enjoy the process because I know when I'm 40 and I'm looking back I'm like oh some of the stuff I did was seriously fun and to me anyway yeah. not sitting in an office I'm so blessed so totally you know so and true. creating time to celebrate your achievements I have this little reward system for myself which is I've built a business and my reward for that is that Monday mornings I don't start work until 10 30 yeah. so 
on Monday morning, I do something that I enjoy. Like this morning, I went and had a tennis lesson and it's a real privilege to be able to do that. But I've created that opportunity for myself Mm. and I have to stop sometimes and be like, this is awesome. Like celebrate your achievements. And we don't do that enough either as women. We don't stop and say like, oh my goodness, Becky, like you've built multiple businesses Mm. and you've built a really successful brand, like well done. And we do that for our friends, but you know, we don't do it often enough for ourselves. So true. And then my last, last question to you, and this is just top line because I forgot to ask it earlier, but for those who are in the industry who perhaps already have a business, small business, big business, entrepreneur, what are some of the key trends that you're seeing in the industry at the moment? I know you've just released your first trends report, which is amazing, Mm -hmm. but I guess top line, what are some of the key things that you're seeing going on in the industry? And I guess, where do you see it personally going? I guess I'll highlight a couple of trends that we're seeing. One is inclusivity. So we're starting to see these sort of micro communities forming in the wellness industry that are about spreading this message further than just an elite few. Mm -hmm. And I think if you're building a business, think about who you can target, who you can reach that's not already aware of what wellness is, whether that's an older audience or whether it's a community of people who are underprivileged or not living in an urban bubble or not currently already privy to what wellness is and how it's defined right now. There are brands that are really redefining that for a mass market and creating access to wellness in a way that I think is really important. There are some really cool trends that we're seeing like for women, the whole industry around sexual wellness is really evolving. So whether that's the Moody Month app that's just launched, whether it's organic tampon brands that have just launched that are disrupting the market and saying, actually, like we're empowered women. We need to know how our bodies function and we want to know how we feel. And we don't want to treat this as a really clinical industry sector anymore. The whole kind of boutique fitness market is really evolving. So we're seeing like big box gyms bringing boutique concepts in-house. We're seeing fitness come into the home. So... Peloton is a brand that's just launched in the UK and are kind of bringing fitness through technology into people's homes and giving them greater access on the move. The Fit app is doing really well. Mm. Lots and lots going on. I think ultimately the industry is becoming more globalized. Brands are sort of crossing into new markets, expanding into Asia. Mm -hmm. Honestly, I say this all the time, but it's never been a better time to be an entrepreneur in the wellness industry. It is such an exciting space. There's so much innovation there are so many startup brands really making an impact and really getting the attention of big brands and whether your aim is to build a business that's going to create long-term success for you or whether your aim is to build a business that sells to a big company both of those things are really possible right now and you don't have to be someone who was born an entrepreneur you know start now start with your idea as it is and give yourself that permission to have some fun with it Amazing. Thank you. Very Thank you. I feel like I've rambled. No, it's been absolutely amazing. And I know it's going to be so well received. Like you said, it's such a great time for people in the industry now to become an entrepreneur. And I think it's a time where people are starting to really engage with the idea that there is so much more to life and they can create their own life. And so I think yeah. that's why there's so much interest in moving careers and transitioning into wellness because people are just way more open to the fact that salary jobs don't have to just be the only way anymore. So thank you so much. It's been an honor Pleasure. to have you. For everybody listening, all of Lauren's details and the well-to-do details will be in the show notes and in the details of this podcast. So you can find Lauren at Lauren Arms on Instagram and then laurenarms.co and then well-to-do is obviously well-to-do global. 
com. Yeah. yeah dot com. Check her out. Please slide into her DMs and say hello. I'm sure she'll like, no, don't say that. Or mine and just let us know how you thought of the episode. And also if you would like us to do a money one, because I think that might be what we need to do. But thank you all so much for listening. And Lauren, thank you so, so much. Thanks, Becky. And thanks everyone for listening. Wow, guys, I think you will all agree with me that that was somewhat of an incredible episode. I know that this will resonate with so many of you because it resonates with me. And I know from the questions that I get, if you are looking to build a business or you are looking to transition into a career, I hope that all these tools and amazing, amazing practical steps that Lauren gave you will help you. It really is only once we start tuning into what we enjoy in life and taking the pressure off a little bit to actually own it and have some fun that every unfolds so I really hope you take a lot away from that and learn that this is your story this is your life and ultimately you are the only one that can achieve something that is fulfilling satisfying and something that truly lights you up so I hope you enjoyed the episode and I would love to hear your thoughts please do get in contact via DM don't forget to rate and review this episode that is what allows us to continue to keep recording so if you have anything to share please do feel free to write a review and yeah keep sharing on Instagram guys because that's what helps us grow that's what helps us keep us here and I look forward to hearing from you have a lovely day mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.